everyone to the Milana podcast. My name is Amanda and today I am joined with Lambert. Uh, we are going to be discussing how employment plays into the orphan cycle and what Milana is doing in country to combat those issues. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about the founding of Moana? Yes, I'm Lambert. Uh, my last name is Lucky Laka. And I'm the co-founder of Moana Villages with my wife, uh, Cheryl Walker, Lucky Laka. Together, we co-founded Moana in 2009. Can you share a little bit about your upbringing in Congo? What do you mean by upbringing? Like, uh, you mean me growing up to, in Congo? Yeah, growing up in Congo. Ah, okay, thanks. So growing, back, growing in Congo was uh, good for me. I mean, uh, I came from um, modest family yeah, in Congolese standards, you know, which is very low in North America. But uh, I grew up as a happy child uh, in a stable family and my parents were there for me. And uh, once I finished my uh, high school education, I had an opportunity to get an admission in, in the Canadian university. And then uh, Thankfully, uh, God opened the door and my country paid for my studies and uh, everything. Uh, I was sent to Canada. That's uh, where I went and uh, studied business administration and international administration as well. And now everything came together because God had a good plan for me, you know, sending me to Canada. You already had someone prepared who had a dream to go to Africa, <laughs> you know. God is amazing, you know. Looking back, it is um, all those just, all those pieces uh, exactly. came together. Came together, yeah. You know, so, so I just bless you, God. Um, mm-hmm. Go ahead. How do you feel like leaving Congo changed your perspective? Having you know been raised in Congo and then going to Canada, um, how how did it kind of change your perspective on on all of it on childhood in Congo and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, every time you get out of a place, you know, your perspective changes, you know, you enlarge your, I was going to say, your knowledge. And uh, I left Congo when I was uh, 20, you know, I was still a kid, a young kid, you know, depending on the parents, but moving to Canada had changed my life, you know, I lived alone and I had to learn to become responsible, provide for myself and learn also how to and I consider myself blessed you know because so many people would ask me how did you do what did you do to get there so many people would like to have such an opportunity so to me it was uh, a blessing and uh, I remained thankful and at one point I also thought that it was time to give back because uh, I understand my position I was very privileged and many people don't have what I had and uh, to me it was normal because I saw so many underprivileged kids, underprivileged people who would like to have a chance also like uh, me. That's why uh, I remain thankful and uh, I like helping others also to give them a chance. So all those things have changed my uh, perspective with Moana, helping the people, giving the young, talented people an opportunity, you know, to, to do something in life. Right. So you left Congo and went to Canada, but can you um, talk to us about how when you returned to Congo and you lived there for years and you worked there, can you help us to understand the employment landscape in Congo? 
as an oil producing country and just kind of on an employment side, kind of how Congo is unique and different than maybe Canada? Yes. <clears throat> and employment in Congo is uh, very different, you know, because of uh, the wars, you know, Congo went through wars and uh, so many people have left the country and they don't want to go back. So there is a big lack of qualified, competent Congolese people. And most of them, when they come back, they don't get uh, good pay. So they say, with what you're paying me, I can't make ends meet. I can't keep the same standard as, uh, let's say, when I'm in the U.S., in Canada, or in France. That's why uh, many companies there depend on local people. But the challenge is uh, the school education has uh, is not the same anymore. You know, things have uh, degraded. So you have a lot of people, a lot of people who have diplomas, but they are not competent. They are not qualified. They can't even write a letter. So it's a very challenging. It's a very, it's a big challenge right now. Uh, in Congo, and we also face the same issue with Moana. So that's why we spend a lot of time training our staff. Right. And can you explain in what ways the industry in Congo is political, how employment, how politics play into employment? Oh, yeah, it's uh, that's a very good question. In Congo, like many countries in Africa, or even in the world, first of all, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. You could be competent, you could have your diplomas, but if you don't have a good connection, it's hard for you to get a job. Even for me, going back to Congo, I had to use my network of contacts to get into a door because uh, you can be qualified, you can send your resume, but the person, on the other hand, receiving those resumes, what does he do? He just toss them, he just put them aside, so in the garbage. So if you don't know somebody, it's really hard to get into that it's very, position. It's very hard. Exactly. The first contact in some position, they are looking for competent people, but they don't receive enough, uh, you know, CVs, you know, because sometimes people doing the, the selection, you know, they put their contacts, you know, other people, they do business with it. You know, I'm in the HR position. I can hire I can give you uh, an opportunity to get into a door, but you have to give me something. So they use bravery, you know. So it's wow. uh, unfortunately, uh, it's very sad. Uh, it, so that's it, a very, very different. That's a very different employment climate than you know I'm used to, or you know, it's hard to imagine like bribery being a thing for employment for me, right? So I think that's important to understand how finding stable, safe, fair pain jobs are it's not it's not as simple as one might think it's not simple yeah it's can really you tell, who you know mm-hmm. yeah go ahead can sorry. you tell me how sorry can you tell me how the oil crisis of 2017 affected congo and continues to affect it today yeah uh because the oil industry in congo is a major one because of the uh, all the the jobs they create, you know, with their subcontractors uh, and themselves and their subcontractors. But since twenty, I would say twenty sixteen, uh, 
beginning of 20, end of 2015 with the political situation and the oil price dropping, so many companies have closed their doors. When they close like this, people are outside. So the unemployment rate went up. Okay. And uh, today, uh, many in Pointe-Noire, who depends on the uh, industry, oil, oil industry, so many people have lost their jobs. So you have so many people at home and they, have, they don't have uh, other options. It's very difficult right now. So can you explain how that ties right into the orphan cycle and how that perpetuates abandoned children and how, how this lack of employment, um, the challenges with employment being political, the oil crisis, can you explain how that just ties right into creating orphans? Exactly. So the economy is affected, no jobs, people are outside, young girls to, sub, to meet ends meet have to go on the street to prostitute themselves. They get pregnant, what do, what do they do? Sometimes they just abandon it to the kids, uh, they throw them in the garbage. So it creates a cycle. And uh, so most of those children, they end up in uh, orphanages. And now we have so many requests because there are so many abandoned children and there is no one to take care of them. Usually uh, the family, one of the family members will take care of the child, but himself, he doesn't have a job. He has a family to feed and adding him another mouth to feed sometimes is challenging. And they say, no, we can't. It's, uh, it's very sad. And it's just like this continuous cycle of if there's not, if there's not employment, there's not money. If there's not money, we, you know, make life-changing decisions such as prostitution or abandonment and then the cycle just kind of repeats the child grows up in an orphanage or exactly. uh, with family potentially abused or neglected or that type of thing um so i think you know many parents living in poverty unable to care for their children because they can't afford food shelter basic necessities that that are often taken for granted here in the west um, mm -hmm. This leads to desperate measures such as abandonment, like you said, um, such as prostitution, potentially crime, that sort of thing, just to survive. Exactly. Um, or child trafficking, because child uh, trafficking. have we not been ethical, we would have uh, had a lot of uh, requests. I mean, a lot of money, because sometimes people come and they say, okay, Take my child, give me something, you know, but we don't do that. At Moana, we are ethical. And they go and they see other agencies and they sell their children. And you also have uh, other organizations that do that. You know, they go and they see families. They say, okay, you're starving right now. You don't have money. There is, a, let's say, $2,000. Give us the child. When you're desperate, what do you do? I have five kids, so... If one goes, I can feed the poor. Right. Exactly. So it's, so it's do very you want to share with us? Do you want to share with us how Moana has come and in, become involved about providing employment, providing safe, stable employment um, to the women and the families that come in? Do you want to just kind of discuss what that looks like? How Moana is, is changing that stigma of finding safe employment? Exactly. That's uh, because. Uh, Moana is not a business. Moana is a ministry, 
and we are God-fearing people, and we take uh, our assignment uh, seriously because we know that God has called us to do what we do, what we are doing, and He is the one who will provide. So that's uh, a big foundation to Mo- for Moana. That is why uh, every time there is a need, there is someone who comes, an abandoned child, we don't see him as, as an opportunity, as a mean to make money. We see a need and we try to meet that need. We try to resolve that problem to the root. Why is this child abandoned? Can we find the mother? If we find the mother, if we find the mother, what can we do to help her? So that's what we do. And that is why many of our, how do you call them? The, our mamas, I would say, nourish in French. Yeah, the mamas, the nourish came from that channels. There were mothers in needs who wanted one day to abandon their children. And we took them under our wing and we provide them a training, we provide them a shelter, we gave them love and we just changed their lives. Right. And many, yeah. <laughs> and, then they, and then they develop uh, their top skills. So it's, then they, they, they are able to make that living wage. And then that fear of not being able to provide for their child is gone because they're they're secure in their self. They know that they're valued and they know that they are loved, but they also exactly. are now making a wage that is safe, that is not putting yes. them or their child in harm's way. And that cycle is stopped. That that exactly. risk of abandonment is stopped. Exactly. And everyone is happy. There is a fulfillment, you know, of changing a life, adding value in people. It's, it's just amazing. I mean, it's priceless. It is. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk just briefly about Moana's stance on hiring local instead of having like short-term missions come in and do work and the importance of hiring local in the community and why that's so important and how when you support Moana, you're supporting the actual entire community of the refuge, not just the refuge. Yeah, because it's sure because it's uh, it's a cycle. When you support Moana, you support a family. You support, let's say, a mother. You're helping creating jobs because right now we have approximately fifty people, local staff, paid, and uh, Moana doesn't pay minimum wage. We give them decent salaries to provide for their families, to take care of their families. So imagine, so we are contributing to the economy of the country. Right now, so many companies have closed. So many companies, I mean, so many people are out of jobs, but one is hiring 50 people. So if you add, for example, on average, let's say uh, if one, one, one employee has, let's say, four people to feed, his wife or her husband, plus two children. So that's 200 people we're helping. So we are, those people can go to the market and buy food. So, so the wage continues uh, to circulate inside this, of it, Pedro, it, inside exactly. of the community, right? Which, and then, you know, uh, a woman at Moana who was paid a fair wage, who has a job, who has her children, goes to the market, she buys food, she's then supporting the, the person selling the food and it's this exactly. entire cycle of keeping the money where they where they live and where they 
are and it it starts stopping that cycle of abandonment and 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 poverty and all of those things um exactly i I think it's important to understand what yes yeah what communities isn't isn't free labor they need employment opportunities and fair wages exactly and on the other hand we also need some uh short-term missionaries who can come with a specific skill to help develop those people. Like uh, what we did, I would say, two years ago, Wallen, our U.S. director, went to Congo with a team of doctors. Mm -hmm. For one week, they provided training to the local hospital, main hospital, and they learned a lot. And those doctors acquired new skills that will help them take care of uh, the local people. So what that does, it's going to reduce the mortality rate. Right. So and, we and need those. Yeah, exactly. go ahead. Yeah, we need that type of involvement. We need people offering their skills, their their resources to strengthen the community um, exactly. in, a, in a deeper level. I know that Moana has so many things that they hope, and I'm confident we'll get there, in order to offer more employment opportunities for uh, people. And it's exciting to watch it all um, start to take shape for sure. Yes. I would like to invite our listeners to to make the next step, to become involved, to share your knowledge and resources to come alongside Moana. Um, One way you can do that is by sharing this podcast on social media or with your friends and family. Another thing that I personally did um, this year with COVID and with restrictions being small, I ended up hosting a Moana gathering by Zoom. I invited all mm-hmm. my friends and family and had Wellen, the U.S. director, come on. And we just, we talked about Moana. We answered questions. It's a great way to, to share um, what yes. Moana is doing and knowledge. It was so much fun. Um, so I encourage our listeners to just get involved, ask questions, and let us know what ways you know you want to become involved. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast today. It's always great to talk to you, and I hope you know to talk to you again soon. Thank you, Amanda.